Linux Out Loud is firing up our mics, connecting those headphones as we search the community for themes to expound upon. We keep the banter friendly, the conversation somewhat on topic, and we have fun doing it. This week, we are spotting off about whether or not Linux hardware OEMs are ripoff. So let's get into episode 58. Linux Out Loud is brought to you by Linode and Bitwarden. With me today, like April showers that bring the May flowers of the Tux Digital Network, it's Wendy, and the thunderstorm that ruins the day, Matt. How are you two? <laughs> Doing fantastic. You said you were ready for intros, and gosh dang it, you were ready for intros. <laughs> it's one of my favorite parts of when I get to do the, um, you know, the stuff. The hosting part of it. The hosting part of it, yeah. So Nate... It's totally fine because with all the lightning and the thunder and all the other stuff, and I just rain on the parade all month anyway, so it's fine. You do. <laughs> you are like a chronic wet blanket. Ooh. Only as it relates to things that you enjoy. Well, whatever. Well, if you notice, I never say anything mean or for the most part to Wendy, occasionally, but very rarely. Very, very rarely. Like so rarely, it's kind of scary. You feel left out. Ooh, it rhymes. <laughs> It does. I'm a poet and I didn't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> no more rhymes. I mean it. Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> Gosh dang it. Is Michael hiding around here somewhere? I don't know. <laughs> I just chatted with him directly. And so I think maybe that had an effect. Maybe <laughs> it did. And I'm sorry. I'm the one who sent him your way. But yep, it was you. It is what it you is. are to blame on this. <laughs> I will admit it, it's 100% my fault. <laughs> We've been over this. We only blame two people all the time. Well, three. There's <laughs> Nate. And we also blame Michael and Ryan. We don't blame you or Jill. Blame the other three ding-dings. Then I am in good company. <laughs> that you are. So. Well! <laughs> Kidding. So speaking of good company, it sounds like your NVMe is getting some company. <laughs> Yes, so uh, I have the mini forums Neptune, I think it's HX90G, if I remember the exact model. It's the all AMD system with a dedicated GPU. Shipped with the 512 gig NVMe, and I have two external hard drives that I use to store a lot of my Steam games and stuff. And not going to lie, I love hard drives for storage. They're painful for game updates. So I ended up buying a two terabyte NVMe that I am now dropping some of my more consistently updated games onto the NVMe so that I am not spending a lot of time looking at indicator lights blinking that Steam is telling me a game is being updated for because one of my games is like 94 gigs. So doing that on a spinning rust can take quite a while. Yes, it can. I was actually thinking how awesome the Steam Deck would be if I attached a spinning USB hard drive to it instead of, you know, using the internal NVMe, you know, just for kicks. Kind of make it a little <laughs> nostalgic, you know, get that clicking and clacking going on. Especially if I get like a, ooh, like a full height five and a quarter, you know, like a really old one. That'd be great. For saying that <laughs> Matt and I like pain for using Arch, this seems like you really like pain if you want to use spinning rust on your Steam Deck. Well, it's like... It's I wouldn't say it. it's like, a, I like pain. It's kind of like a deep tissue massage. You know, it hurts, but then you'll feel good about it afterward. No, no, no. Using <laughs> spinning rust on your Steam Deck doesn't even sound like a massage that will end up being positive in the end. Yeah, you're probably right. You know, every time the chiropractor resets my collarbone, it's one of those things that I know it doesn't feel great when he puts my collarbone in, but it's well worth it 
for how I feel afterwards. No, that sounds like him putting my collarbone in and then it's still hurting like crazy afterwards. Or maybe like putting the collarbone in and then pulling it out and then putting it back in and then pulling it out right, just, just yeah. to see how mm-hmm. it feels. Yeah. yeah. Repeated torture. Yeah. Okay. Yes, maybe. All right. Exactly. I, I changed my mind. Maybe it's a bad idea. What I just said was just a terrible idea and I shouldn't have said anything. So, uh, <laughs> Wendy, you're not far off. I'm not going to lie though. So I found that for cold storage, essentially, or stuff that isn't always being written to, like just to say like a movie or something that I'm reading off the drive. That's fine. But when it's stuff that's, mm-hmm. you know, downloading and updating. Constantly and, read write. Yeah, a yeah. lot of the read write, it's just like, oh my word, this is taking forever. And when it's, you know, sometimes it's 50, 60 games because sometimes of the way Steam closed out. And a lot of that's probably because I'm enrolled in the beta instead of the stable. So I own part mm, of that. Yeah. But I like new features sooner because Steam Deck. <laughs> right. Yeah. So for me, it just made sense. And I think the two terabyte NVMe that I got was like $87. Wow. Whoa. I want to know where you got that. That fall off a truck uh, and you <laughs> bought it from some kid in the alley? No kidding. I will <laughs> say it, it's not like the highest end, like super fast read write speeds. I think it's like 3,000, 3,500, somewhere in that area as far as... 1500 to 2000 on the read rights respectively so not super fast but in comparison to rust <laughs> it's pretty fast that was the biggest thing um i'll have to check and see if that is still on sale that was a sale so that's part of the reason why i got it so cheap i believe it was on Newegg, and they go for under 100 normally if i remember correctly oh wow and it's directly from Newegg. i've been on Newegg a lot lately i don't need to be spending any more money there but i will definitely have to take a look because <laughs> i don't think it has certain things i think it's lacking like the heat sink and a few other yeah it is a silicon power two terabyte nvme pci gen 3 for 2280 and the current price, according to them, is $90. Hmm. Very curious. I want to know how it runs for you before I run out and get one. So yeah, make sure good... you give us your feedback first. Oh, definitely. That's a good call. What I can say is there are certain games like I have Final Fantasy VII Remake um, that I recently downloaded. And I had that on my hard drive originally. And it was painful unloading. Just painful. It's a big game. It's That particular one is like 97 gigs. It's a huge game. I have probably noticed a 10 to 12 times decrease in the amount of waiting I did on the initial loading. So take that for what you will. Yeah. I mean, that sounds significant to me. Again, that's just like what I'm seeing for load screens. I'm not sitting here doing like sequential read tests and all the other stuff. Like, I just don't care. Like, is it faster than what I was experiencing? Then if the answer is yes, then I'm okay with it. Right. Yeah. I've had some people tell me like Newegg is not a good place to shop. I don't know. I've had great experience there. But I haven't had to return anything either, so I don't know. It's hit or miss. It used to be really, 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 really good. I can't speak to the third-party ecosystem of sellers. I don't buy from the third-party ecosystem of sellers. And I've never bought from third-party on there. But to be fair, if I'm buying anything on Amazon, I'm typically buying it from somebody. Even if somebody is selling it, it's still being shipped from Amazon. Yeah. It's where you're getting it from is really what matters. And say what you want about Amazon. I will say that generically, 
like the return stuff I haven't had many issues with if it's dealing with Amazon directly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it's dealing with a seller individually, that's a different story. Right. Exactly. So while I'm making upgrades to my system, Wendy, it still seems like you're having trouble with certain systems of yours. That is right. My 3D printer is still being a ripping pain. So I was supposed <laughs> to be gone all day on Tuesday and due to some weather stuff, I wasn't able to travel So I figured this was a good time to tear into the 3D printer. I had gotten a new all-metal hot end with a direct drive system from Micro Swiss. I really, really like this setup and wanted to get it in. So I had, of course, you know, spent the morning tearing the hot end apart. And in doing so, I realized that one of my problems from my last print was definitely the way I'd put the hot end together. So as I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's filament coming out in places like top of the heat block. Not much, but a little bit, but still filament coming out in places that there shouldn't have been filament. So there was definitely some issues there. Maybe I didn't have everything tightened quite right. I don't know. I I did something wrong for sure. But I do like the way the micro Swiss hot end goes together more than I do the one straight from Creality. So I'd gotten that all put together, got everything on, and I'd also replaced the fan that goes over the hot end. So now it's one of those cute little Noctua fans instead of the one that came with the printer. In the initial process, of course, you know, it has you heated up to a think it was 210, I don't know, over 200 degrees Celsius. Heat up your hot end and then go ahead and make sure that your nozzle is good and tightened down. Did that, the fan came on, no problem. The hot end heated up just like it should. And as I was putting something on the very back of the 3D printer, it's where the filament feeds through. It's one of the things that I like about this. So there still is a Bowden tube that goes from the back of the printer, on, in this case, where the filament would normally come in, carries it all the way through to that direct drive system and then down into the hot end. And as I was working on that, I dropped a screw and it went underneath that metal piece that holds <laughs> the power supply yes. and everything. Mm-hmm. And I don't have it screwed in. So I just picked it up, grabbed the screw out from underneath it, and I thought I had it set in there just right. And I've got a couple rock pieces. I don't know. They're, um, I've used them for places to set my cups anyway. So little squares there to keep it off the ground so I can still get some airflow underneath it without having it screwed in. And I thought it was set down properly, and it wasn't. And so as I adjusted something, that piece slid and Hit. And it wasn't a very large drop, but it was it was a drop. It did sound pretty bad. Finished, put everything back together, and then went to heat up my hot end. And nothing. Nothing. And I was now in panic mode. I'm like, holy crap, did I do something? Did I mess up the thermistor? Did I mess up um, something in the heater? You know, like, what did I do? And just to test things out... I went ahead and tried to heat up my bed, and that wouldn't do anything. And the Noctua fan on the front isn't coming on, and I know for sure that was working before too, right? Mm -hmm. So then I was like, holy crap, okay, is this the power supply or is it the main board? What did I mess up? What's wrong here? 
when it took that hit because obviously something did not like that jolt very well. And I didn't have another power supply that I can use. And if you've ever taken a 3D printer apart, you know it's not a power supply like is in your computer. It's one of those industrial power supplies. So it doesn't mm-hmm. have the standardized connectors. It has the little prongs or whatever that the you screw connectors. in and make those connections. Yeah. So I couldn't do anything about the power supply, but I did have the original board that came with the machine, and I didn't want to rewire everything in. And, you know, especially working on those small boards and those teeny tiny little connectors, it wasn't long before my fingers were killing me because I'd already been taking stuff apart and everything with the hot end. So I got everything pulled off of it. I didn't connect any of the motors. None of the motors are connected to the board at all. They're not connected on the machine. That way I could move motors back and forth. So I just connected the heater parts of it and the thermistors, fired it all up, connected the power, fired it all up, and my hot end and my heat bed were fine. So I know it wasn't the power supply. I know it is the board itself, the main board that I had bought in January. This one is the Big Tree Tech SKR Mini E3 V3. And I was starting to wonder if some of the issues that I was having with the fan on the hot end was still part of that board because not only was the fan moving so much faster on the Creality board than it was when it was actually working on the big tree tech one but just other little things the way which it was heating the speed at which it was heating all of that stuff and I know the Creality board in general is not as powerful as this big tree tech board so I'm thinking that I've had a dud pretty much this whole time Mm. but didn't realize that it was part of the issues that I've had with my printer and some of the issues that I've possibly been having with under extrusion. But this company has been really well known. They've put on a lot of really good product. And instead of replacing it with the exact same board, I figured let's just go all out and go with one of the boards that I wished I would have ordered. And that's the Big Tree Tech Octopus Max EZ with the easy 2209 motor. So it's still going to be nice and quiet. It's one of the things I hate about the Creality board that I have right now is those driver motors are crazy, crazy loud. This one I think allows me to attach up to nine motors. Whereas the mini board, I couldn't have a second extruder when I eventually got there with with this board, I'll be able to have a second extruder with the original board and the SKR mini. I had to use this daughter board, this little breakout board, in order to route some of the power through for the heat bed. And now with the Octopus Max, all of that stuff is built to handle directly on that main board. So it saves some of the wiring that's going in and out. That's more direct power. It can handle that power. This can take some rainbow vomit. So if I decide to put some rainbow vomit on it, it can take different camera options if I go ahead and decide to put a camera on it. I was looking at another board that does integrate the Raspberry Pi features for Clipper directly onto the board, but I like the idea of the Max and the the Easy. There's already a lot of wiring I'm going to need to do, and if I went with the original Octopus and choosing my motor drivers there, there was going to be a lot more work in relation to that. 
and I decided to just go with the easy board, kind of simplify things down the road if I want to take the challenge of one of the other ones, go that route. But it should be great. I can't wait for it to get here. Well, very cool. I'm excited to hear how it works out. I don't know what kind of flashing you have to do to make it work specifically with the Creality or if it's just a matter of setting some parameters because it doesn't really matter. Lots of things, I guess, because really it's just stepper motors, switches, you know, and hot ends. I'm going to throw Clipper back on it. I've really, really enjoyed Clipper. I like that works. I like the way that Fluid is and it's much easier to do updates on Clipper to the firmware, though... I'm going to have to do some digging on this one, make sure I've got everything, of course, connected properly and that I've got all the pins and stuff labeled right. So it is going to take me a little bit to get it up and running again. And considering that hopefully this board will be here next week and then I leave for Texas, we're probably looking the end of April or into May before I actually have a working 3D printer. Long time to be down. Right. Hope we can be able to get through that okay. I should be able to. I mean, already my printer's been down all of March. So yeah, at, at this point, it just is what it is because I haven't been able to dig into things with my timetable that I've had. And I'm going to be out of the house every single day next week. And then the week after that, what is that? Is the week after that I fly out? Yeah, the week after that I fly out. So then I'll be gone. And then I come home and we still have co-op stuff to do that week. So it'll be the first of May. It'll definitely be the first part of May before I even have time to consider working on it. Gotcha. Well, you're going to be busy this month, so maybe you won't miss it at all. I would love to have it working on things. I would absolutely love to have it up and running right now. When I talked to the kids, I was like, okay, do we go ahead and wire in all the motors and at least have it working right now? Or do we just wait for the new board to come in? The positives would be it would be potentially working right now. The downside is how loud the flipping thing is with those other motor drivers. And then having to pull all of those little flipping wires out, the connectors out again, and replace them. So at this point, I'm just going to leave it. I can live without it for a little bit longer. I've already been living without it. Yeah, those connectors are pretty terrible. And I've ripped some of them off the board themselves, pulling them out before. Yeah, Ooh. the plastic piece. Yeah. That's fun. And I try to get the <laughs> part that's supposed to be on the board off of the wire. And I'm wrestling around with it. And I got to like take like a little tiny screwdriver and get those little clip ends to go in. Because for whatever reason, it just doesn't want to move. And right. yeah, it's a big pain in the butt. Yes. Yeah, so I can understand that. And they do hurt the fingers. I wish there's like a better way. Yes. I know there should be some sort of tool that makes it easy to get those things in and out of there that maybe that's going to be my million dollar idea, a tool to get those tiny connectors in and out of those boards. Maybe there is a tool and we just haven't seen it yet. Maybe one of our listeners now. I have to go looking. (laughs) (laughs) You also found a new tool and CAD is an application that you've worked with in many different forms and there is a new one on the list, which I'm really excited to hear how this one's working for you. I'm using this application, this CAD application. I'm just still toying around with it right now called JSketcher. I found out about it because one of the uh, developers for it came onto Linux Saloon a few weeks ago and talked about it. Like I gave him the floor and he gave a demonstration. And it is pretty awesome. There are a couple of modules it doesn't quite have yet, but they're, it's on the, the plan for them. Like one of the things like helical sweeps, you know, like doing screws or whatever. I can't do that with JSketcher. But it can load in like free CAD files just fine and modify those and so forth. Right now, so far, 
this looks pretty awesome. It runs out of a web browser, which immediately my first reaction to web browsers, ooh, I'm not sure if I like that. But what it does is it runs locally, like a server locally on your computer, and then uses a web browser basically to output the, the application itself. So you can turn it to like an Electron yeah. app or something like that. But anyway, it works really well. It's very smooth. It's actually quite intuitive. And I think it might be the application I use at least for designing most things. And I could then move it to FreeCAD if necessary for you know, helical sweeps or assembly or whatnot at this point. But they are going to be working on assembly module and, and other things too. So they, they are working on all these things to make it awesome. I was a bit of a, a numpty, so I couldn't get it installed initially, but it's because I was a numpty. And if I just followed the directions line by line as stated, I would have been fine. But I didn't, and so I had some trouble initially. It's installed now. It works great. The performance is awesome. And the other neat thing too is if you have like a really powerful computer, a server, whatever, you could actually have that run the CAD and then have a terminal that's not as powerful like a laptop, whatever, and just go to that machine at port, I think 3000. And then you could use it through your network and it would work quite well. Nice. Yeah. It's really very cool. I'm impressed with it. I'm on the development tree, which I linked that in the notes. I want to get the updates and it's it seems to be stable. I have not successfully crashed it yet, but maybe I'm not trying hard enough. Well, I'd say if your name was Rocco, you could crash anything, <laughs> but since it's not, and this is probably the best review you've ever given for an open source piece of CAD software. Yeah, it's it's pretty great so far. So give me another uh, week or so of messing around with it and I'll, I'll let you know. But I'll, I'll give an update next week on how it's going. Perfect. I'm really excited. It's one of those things that I've looked at some of the other CAD pieces of software that you've suggested. And because I am so new, I'm like, I, yeah, I struggle. I really don't get it. This one does look like it has some live samples, video tutorial. So maybe I'll try this one. I think you should. And then tell me what you think. It'd be great. Hi there, Magneto here. This episode of Linux Out Loud is brought to you by Linode. Visit linode.com slash tux and see why over a million developers trust Linode for their infrastructure needs. Are you wanting to build your own website? Of course you are. Most entry-level hosting services are fine for a while, but if you want to be in control, do what you want, and actually own your website, Linode is where you step up to powerful, totally customizable cloud hosting. So whether you're into gaming stuck on a proprietary website builder, or just need something to put on the cloud and access it anywhere, Linode is there for you. Every plan comes with Linode's amazing human-powered customer support. If you need help, someone will be there to pick up the phone, respond to your email, or reply to you on social media 24-7-365. Visit linode.com tux to create a free account, plus... You'll get 60-day, $100 credit to your account. Thanks for listening. On Linux Out Loud, we take conversations from the community from various sources. It can be the forum or Discord or Telegram. And one of those such places that we took the conversation was from the Linux Saloon Telegram. The fine folks in the Linux Saloon had an interesting conversation that spurred the idea that Linux OEMs are a ripoff. Now, I don't believe that for many reasons. It was quite the conversation that was happening in the Telegram chat. So Matt, you were pretty engaged in this because I was off like doing manual labor someplace. And you gave a lot of really great examples as to why Linux OEMs are not a ripoff and, and why they provide value. And even like doing price comparisons between Dell and System76, they're very close, really. 
What are some of the things that you really think are the reason that Linux OEMs are maybe a little more expensive? The short one is really economy of scale. And anybody who's working in manufacturing knows the more you buy, the cheaper the stuff is for you to buy. It works across the board from retail all the way down to the mom and pop shops. At the end of the day, Walmart is going to have cheaper prices than the mom and pop because Walmart has a bigger checkbook. <laughs> it's really what it boils down to. So those bigger checkbooks will get preferential treatment when it comes to things like parts and all the other stuff. What a lot of people don't understand is that economy of scale translates to price. And I get a little annoyed when I hear that, oh, well, these are just always rebranded Clevo or Tongfang machines because that's the economy of scale that those particular OEMs can affordably buy at because they have to order these in bulk purchases. Mm -hmm generically like they have to order a thousand they have some type of inventory generically right just in order to fulfill orders so in order to do that they're gonna go with a tongfang or a clevo and quote-unquote rebrand it what people don't also understand is that there's a lot more than just a simple rebrand of the hardware though i think the suggestion and view that solely looking at the sticker value is a short-sighted and naive because it's a very multifaceted reason. I'll be the first to admit, I am not in any camp of the Linux OEM hardware space as far as like System76, Tuxedo, Juno, any, any of that stuff as far as who I would support or don't support or any of that stuff. I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm cheap. Literally, my entire Game Series channel is about being a cheap gamer. <laughs> so like, I am legitly all for cheap products. But I also understand why there is higher end stuff, why this other things would cost more. And I've talked to these guys about these issues before, and they all mentioned the same thing. All the points that I just mentioned is all stuff that, and the reality that they talk about. But what people don't realize is mom and pop and the small to medium businesses that buy a lot from these places like System76 and various other Linux OEMs, they pay for the phone number. That means the world to them. And right. to discount that because it doesn't fit a narrow view based solely on sticker costs because people don't think they add value in any way, shape or form. I would highly disagree with that assessment as well. I think if they say Linux OEMs do not offer any value add to the ecosystem, quite frankly, say that short sighted is being very generous yeah. because you are not seeing beyond your own perspective. And also a lot of times those cheap laptops that you can buy for 80 to let's say $500, a lot of them are not built well either. And Linux uh -uh. OEMs are not going to take a chance on some poorly built hardware that's not going to last. That's just going to make them look bad. You know, if I have this nine month old laptop, you know, from System76 or Tuxedo or whatever, with a plastic shell that has those cheap hinges that end up poking through the back, the lid of the laptop, that's going to reflect very poorly on the company. Mm -hmm. So sure, they're, they're using what's Clevo. Am I saying that right? Yeah, Clevo. They are a OEM manufacturer. So companies like System76 or Tuxedo, I think Tuxedo also uses them. I know like the, mm -hmm. there's that KDE book, the Slim book, I think is what, is that what it's called? Yeah, Slim book's another company as well. Oh, it's another one? Yeah. They source their parts and they put it together for someone like a System76. So System76 is doing all the legwork to make sure that this new hardware works well in Linux. The fresh install of Pop! OS or whatever has all the little tools and bits and bobs so it runs 
correctly and that it runs well, that's not an inexpensive operation to complete. To do all that work, that testing, the writing, sending the, the drivers and such upstream so everybody benefits, that isn't cheap. That costs money. It's not free. People got to eat. Electricity has got to power the facilities that they do this work and do the testing. None of this is cheap. So yeah, are you spending a little bit more for a Linux machine? Sure. You're also investing into the Linux ecosystem as well. I mean, I can't build drivers. Yeah, some of that investment comes into the way that the Linux OS is structured for those particular machines. And a lot of these mm -hmm. OEMs do have very specific builds for the machines. System76 has put a lot of time into POP and these different KDE books or whatnot have little tweaks that are meant especially for their hardware. That's the advantage of being an OEM manufacturer and being able to customize the operating system for that piece of hardware. And in order to do that, you do need to pay developers for that. It does take some extra time. And there are people who want that customized Linux experience for that hardware, and they want to be able to call someone up and say, hey, I've got an issue with the machine, whether it's software, whether it's hardware. I know there are people in my life that would not run Linux without support. Do they pay for that support? No, because they get it through the family, but they are getting support <laughs> through me. Otherwise, they would not be running Linux. Okay, I take that back. My dad pays me in support. Every time he comes, he brings all kinds of food when he visits. <laughs> That's crazy amount. That's actually a great right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My in-laws are absolutely fantastic to me. I definitely get paid in full with all of their love and other stuff that happens and stuff. So I can't say I don't get something for it. But there is no monetary exchange for that. And you have people in the community that they just wanted to buy their laptop. They don't want to run Windows. They don't want to run Apple. They enjoy Linux. They want it to come with Linux on it, do their work, and move on. And to say that these different OEM manufacturers are worthless or overpriced for these people, I think is pretty short-sighted. Wendy, here's a question. Set budget aside because yes, there is you know a quote unquote premium, and most of these like Tong Fang type machines or Clevo machines. If you bought like the Tong Fang machine directly from AliExpress, there's probably a fifteen to twenty percent overhead, give or take. But that yeah. includes the bulk buy. Anyway, setting aside a price. If you had a family member that just wanted a computer in general and you were going to put them on Linux, would you look at some of these Linux OEMs to have them buy from? Yeah. Because of the support number and all the other... You're the support, but they also have a phone number they can call, basically. <laughs> yeah, if I was looking at not including price, just it's a laptop that's coming with Linux on it, a nice solid system... There's a phone number that they can call. I would have no problem handing these to loved ones. Now, most of us are on a budget. So the system that mm -hmm. my in-laws have is an old mini HP desktop system that I installed Linux on for them. And you have to work within your limits. So 
I'm not mad at them for the prices they charge. No. I know that they have to keep the doors open. They have to keep employees running. And they're not getting the killer deal on hardware that some of these larger OEMs can get. So they have a place. And there's nothing wrong with building your own system. But I do have a problem. It's kind of like when we were going through the our different opinions on things and how some of them might not. The unpopular opinions. When we did the mm-hmm. unpopular opinion episode. And mine was stop telling somebody that this is the right way to do Linux. That this is the right, right program or nothing's mm-hmm. else. This is the right distro or nothing is else. I think that this falls into that same topic of I am so glad that there are OEMs there that are actually building laptops with Linux on them, that they are supporting people who want to run Linux out of the box. And if that's not in your budget, then use an older system and put Linux on it yourself. Build your own system. Heck, I absolutely love building computers. I can't wait to build the next one. I really, really enjoy it. And I love the cost savings that I can get from picking out my own parts. It's one of the things that intrigues me about the framework laptop that we talked about last week. Mm -hmm. I can customize it. I can make it mine. I can keep it updated to each their own. That's the thing. Like, I am not the target demo for any of the Linux OEMs. Right. I am a nuke and pave and I'll be my own tech support. (laughs) I take on that responsibility myself yeah knowing full well that potentially trading time for more options so like more options in hardware and configuration and brands and price and all the other stuff however on the flip side less options more defined and this is the price simplified purchasing process for a lot of people matters Mm -hmm. so I totally understand that if you're willing to take on the you know the tech support and the personal support and all that stuff that's totally fine. But I think it's really short-sighted when people say these guys don't add value. I'm looking at the GitHub for Tuxedo and Tuxedo OS to say that they don't do any work. Like none of these Linux OEMs do any work as an example from this GitHub. This is a small detail, but it matters at the end of the day for the user experience. Oh, they don't add anything to the user experience is another argument that I've heard. This particular feature while small, does matter. It is the disable button for the touchpads on the Tongfang brand laptops that Tuxedo sells. I'm not going to call them resells. It is for the touchpad on-off indicator light on the Tongfang machines that they support and get. So that way, when you actually push the button to disable it the button actually lights up telling you it's disabled Mm -hmm. it's a small thing yeah but it's very valuable though but it matters so i'm looking at the repo for it right now and that's just one of many things tuxedo control center tuxedo keyboard the layouts (laughs) there's a ton of different stuff on here that they have helped make for the overall experience and the overall ecosystem while they might support only the Debian-based Tuxedo OS. In turn, if that's going upstream or is a public repo with source code, any distro can take and bring that in to make that piece of hardware that might be on another system sold by Acer or you know Dell or whatever functional. And that really, really matters to the overall ecosystem. So like Wendy said, I think it's really, really short-sighted 
to say that these guys don't add any value from a support perspective, an ecosystem perspective, or whatnot. Because I'll be brutally honest, I think it's really idiotic to say that these particular companies, and again, I'm not the target demo. I want to make this very clear. I think it's really, really idiotic to think that these guys aren't adding value to the overall ecosystem from a support perspective or an overall ecosystem perspective when it helps everything regardless of the distro. And to say that that doesn't add value is not understanding what a company does to add value to the overall ecosystem. Just because, oh, I can install Pop! OS on any machine as an example and it works, cool. Why do you think it, that is? It's because of all these other OEMs having access to that hardware to fine tune that experience so that it can work on your Acer or your Dell or your $500 HP pavilion that is from 2016. I want to add another thing that Tuxedo does too. So they have dock stations that they've worked on to work with their machines. They've sourced the hardware to get everything working together properly. And some of the dock stations have display link drivers so that they're basically USB video cards or whatever. So they're actually separate video device drivers inside the dock stations. And what Tuxedo has done is they've worked on the drivers for that and even pushed them up to the open build service to share that with any distribution that needs them, essentially, at least OpenSUSE at the very minimum, but it can be built for other distributions as well. They've actually done a lot of work to make sure hardware works well, OpenSUSE and others. I'm impressed just by the additional work that they do, not even for their own distribution that they ship, the Tuxedo OS, but for OpenSUSE as well. The fact that they took the time to make sure that all the different little functions and features works for other distros is huge because just because it works in OpenSUSE doesn't mean it stays there. It goes up and out as well. They do a lot of work to benefit everybody. Do I personally think Lynx OEMs are a ripoff? No, I don't. I honestly don't think we can, any of us will say that Linux OEMs are a ripoff based on the fact of what they provide for the ecosystem, what they do for the ecosystem, right. what they provide for customers and users and all the other stuff. Again, I think it's really short-sighted to view something on a very micro level and one view. And I think it is very, very limited and naive. Yeah, I think so too. Especially when it is a multifaceted thing. So tell us what you think. How grateful are you for what the Linux OEMs do to help your hardware work better with your preferred Linux operating system? I'd like to hear from the community. You can go to the Tux Digital Forums and leave a comment under this video or in YouTube or however you want to do it. Send an email. Whatever you like. I would love to hear more about how you think Linux OEMs contribute to the ecosystem at large. Hello, Magneto here. This episode of Linux Out Loud is sponsored by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the password manager that we, well, that they use and trust. Bitwarden lets you set up things like a pin to easily access your password, as well as additional authentication such as master password and adding phrases to fingerprint security, all to keep your password safe. From me. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, and businesses to store, share, and sync their sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com tux to get started for free. $10 premium account includes 1 gigabyte of encrypted file storage, 2-step login with YubiKey, U2F, or Duo, Vault Health Reports, and TOTP Authenticator Storage and Generation, and Priority Customer Support. 
make the smart move, like many from the community have, and go to bitwarden.com tux to get started for free. If you're like my wife, Sinister Wendy, you'll want to show your appreciation by signing up for the Premium Edition, especially since the Premium Edition only starts at $10 a year. Thanks to Bitwarden for supporting this episode of Lennox Out Loud. Magneto out. Matt, I can see that your contribution this week is another game of the week. I'm impressed because you let me down last week. I mean, not the previous weeks. And you give me other stuff in the middle of the week that I can look at. And, and you try and enable me on the off cycle that we're not doing the show. But last week... In fairness, <laughs> I haven't really enabled you on midweek like I had been. In fairness. It's true. You've been busy. Last week, you're correct. I was just super, super busy. <laughs> so I didn't even have time to try to even play any games or come up with any recommendations whatsoever. However, this week, we do have a game that I've mentioned its first iteration. So this is a prequel slash sequel to a game, and it is a first-person parkour game called Mirror's Edge Catalyst. It is very much a kind of cyberpunk dystopian parkour game so like free run however you want to describe that very limited on like combat and that kind of stuff kind of hand-to-hand first person view for combat but it's all about speed and you know jumping gaps in buildings and all that kind of stuff that's really what it's for it's just a really fun game it's not a super long game about eight hours maybe and right now on steam as of at least recording right now (laughs) It is on sale for $5. Wow. I would recommend both games, honestly. Mirror's Edge, the original, which came out in 2008, I believe, give or take. And I would also recommend Mirror's Edge Catalyst for the $10 that it's going to cost you. Definitely a fun game, short game, blatant burst. You can do the whole thing if you want in a relative one sitting. You log one sitting, but <laughs> if you want to do a marathon gaming session, I guess. Well, the thing that bothers me watching the little trailer, or whatever the advertising for it, nobody's wearing knee pads or elbow pads. I mean, how can you do that and not have <laughs> proper protection on your knees and elbows? I mean, come on. Who's doing editing this week? I am. <laughs> Bad Matt portion. Hey, I'm ready. Nate. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Oh, snap. I'm sorry. You left the door open. I couldn't help myself. We got a two-for-one deal here. Well, you know, as the shirt said, right, Nate? (laughs) Something like that. Okay. Back to our originally scheduled program. So this says that it requires an EA online account, that it does have some third-party EULA and that kind of stuff going on with this. Is there going to be some of that anti-cheating software that throws things off? Or this is playing really well on your Linux systems too? So every Linux system I've played it on. I played it on Steam Deck. I played it on my old workstation. And I have played it on my current system here and my old desktop tower. So I've played it on all those systems. It does require, um, I think it's an EA access. I don't remember what EA's new thing is. It's not Origin anymore. Uh, Whatever their old online gaming system was. However, you can use it through Steam and it'll just link your accounts and then you can basically just ignore the EA one. So Steam will just be your kind of overall launcher for it. 
it's annoying, you know, yet another account, yet another launcher kind of deal. And, you know, I'm not the first to complain about that, trust me. But overall, uh, it is definitely that small headache aside is worth the effort. And it's really not even that much effort because it just works. As far as the anti-cheat stuff, no, because it is a single player game. So generically from... What I've seen, barring things like some of the like anti-piracy software, not so much the anti-cheat software, EA generically pretty much leaves their single-player games alone when it comes to that kind of annoying. You shouldn't run into like any battle eye or easy anti-cheat stuff. It says Steam Deck playable right on the page, so that's a good sign. You're welcome, Nate. I don't know if they had elbow pads and knee pads. I think it'd be okay with it. I, it looks so dangerous. I don't know if I can handle this. It says the guy who will literally play the uh, game series that is all about the six axes of freedom. <laughs> yeah, fire missiles at people. I'm probably wearing some sort of a suit, you know, like a flight suit. <laughs> <laughs> sorry bad mad again <laughs> uh, you're on a roll today i got two hours of sleep yesterday so i don't care i'm so don't care right now honestly though i think that it's a fun game that's worth getting at that price if it's i think it's the 20 dollars normally if i remember the actual price off the top of my head it might be a little more questionable on that one for those that prefer the drm free there isn't one on of this game on GOG, but the original is on GOG for those that want the DRM free version. So while I'm busy helping build Nate's gaming library some more because, you know, <laughs> and all that, Wendy, I might have to start changing my target and going back to you <laughs> for games to enable <laughs> you to buy because it looks like somebody's finally building that system that they had talked about for a while. The kids are finally getting their gaming system. Parts have been ordered and I'm super, super excited about this. So I was able to find a motherboard that I didn't have to get used off eBay. It is still one for the sixth or seventh gen i7. And I ordered that new from Newegg. That should be here this next week. The case that it's going in, I told you a little bit about it, but I actually have which one it is. It's the Thermaltake View 200 TGARGB. I'll put links and all of that crap in the show notes just in case you want to look at it. Is it as heavy as my Thermaltake case? No, it's actually really, really light. It does have all kinds of rainbow vomit going on in the front, but this one will fit well into the living room. And the monster of a case that I have doesn't fit nicely, you know, anywhere. And we got it for a pretty good price. As far as the RAM, we're going with 32 gigs of DDR4 3600 from G-Skill, their Ripjaw series. I believe that's the same series that I have in my system. It's worked really well. I've never had any problems with G-Skill RAM. So that's what's going on at Plenty. They shouldn't Wendy? need any more than that with what they're doing. Yeah. Does the RAM have rainbow vomit on it as well? No, there is no oh. rainbow vomit on the RAM. Oh. That is limited to just the fans in the front and maybe the graphics card. Okay, this is where I'm really, really torn. I don't see it on the motherboard either. Yeah, there isn't any on the motherboard. Oh, man. There is a little bit on mine, but not on theirs. You need to get some rainbow violet on the motherboard. You really do. I don't think we do. I really don't think we do. I can't sign off on this. <laughs> you don't put some rainbow vomit on there. As a gamer build, I cannot sign off on this without having some more rainbow vomit. Yeah. There is... <laughs> <laughs> 
a severe lack of the rainbow vomit. I mean, you do have it on the GPU. That's good. Okay. So, <laughs> considering the person that you're talking to and my current state of mind, I am trying to be so nice about this rainbow vomit thing. And I'm having a hard time not having a series of bleeps in this portion of the show. Trying mm. really, really hard. Okay. I don't know if I will be successful in that at all. May not be. But I compromised with the kiddos and they get rainbow vomit in the fans until maybe I end up replacing them with black noctuous. I mean, I would never <laughs> do something like that. But, <laughs> but I'm definitely torn when it comes to the graphics card. So in my system, I have a Vega 64. That will get a workover. I've got new thermal pads. I've got thermal paste. It will get a full cleaning with all of that done to it. The graphics card I ordered is a gigabyte overclocked Radeon RX 6750 XT. I want to put the Vega 64 in the kids system and keep the Radeon for myself. But I feel a little bit guilty going down that road. Now, before we started the show, before you even joined, Nate, Matt was doing his best to make me feel good about keeping the Radeon card for myself. Actually, it wouldn't be just for myself. Magneto uses this computer, too, so it would be for both of us. Did I earn it? I've spent so much time in robotics that I have earned this Radeon graphics card, or am I just being horrible, wanting to keep the new card for myself? I would say, one, don't let your kids hear this podcast. Two, <laughs> kids always get the hand-me-downs. They don't get the new stuff. I buy the new laptop for myself, and then I give them my older laptop. That's just how it works because... That's how it worked in our house when it comes to phone. Like, my husband and I get new phones. That's when my daughter will get her upgrade for her phone. They should be used to it then. They should be used to it. The CPU they're getting was from the last pre-built that I had before I built this current system. So I guess that is a hand-me-down CPU. It's still an i7, right? I mean, yeah. it's still a nice CPU. They are getting two brand new SSDs in this though. They're gonna have a 250 gigabyte boot drive and then a one terabyte drive for the games and stuff to go on. I have loved having that on this system. I think I talked about that a little bit last week where if for any reason we decide to wipe the OS on it and go with something else, I don't want to go through all of the pain of re-downloading some of those games. And yes, I said pain because even though it is first world problems, our internet is still pretty slow. And we've had certain games, especially games of my husband's, where it has taken 24 hours to download a game. I don't want to download games again once they're already downloaded. So that's where they're getting the two separate drives for that. And as to the OS, I haven't quite decided which road we're going down there. My daughter mentioned something today because the graphics card and the motherboard won't be here until Tuesday next week. So when you're hearing this, the motherboard and graphics card will already be here. But from time of recording on a Thursday, it won't be here till Tuesday. And we've got such craziness going on she goes oh man you know we probably won't get to build the computer until you get back from worlds and i told her oh listen 
<laughs> I can find time. I can make time. We are building this computer as soon as all the parts are here. We just got to find a <laughs> RGB motherboard, though. No, no, really, I don't. I put some RAM that you should look at instead under oh, your section. Do I dare click on this? Do I really want to click on this? Holy. I think it'd be good. Nate, what? I'm going to put a bleep in here. <laughs> <laughs> I am not buying this ring. Why not? It's beautiful. It looks like a little warp core. I've seen those. It before. makes me want to rainbow vomit. Nate, where did you put the link? <laughs> it's in, in her section. It's Corsair Vengeance RGB Pro, 16 gigabyte. <laughs> I already know. So the that's model. less RAM than what they're getting. Oh, is it? So they're getting 32 gigs. Oh, okay. Not 16. So that's less RAM than Missed what they're getting. Missed it by that much. Actually, I looked specifically for 32. Yeah. There we go. I got it now. And it is. I'll bleep that out too. It is awesome sauce. We have different ideas of what awesome sauce is. I'm oh, don't get me sure. wrong. I, I don't want Ram Rambo vomit either, but your kids want it. <laughs> My kids don't even know about it, so they don't, don't tell them because I don't want to have to deal with this later. Okay, so <laughs> I know what to do. Totally go all in on the rainbow vomit. <laughs> Anyway, back to being the good portion of the show. <laughs> back to the good portion of the show. This is a system that we've actually been talking about for quite a while. The kids are super excited to finally have this system set up. I would potentially add another SSD to this one just so we can have maybe two different OSs on it, one that's specifically for gaming. And because of the specs of this system... There really are other things that they can do with it. My daughter really likes to draw. She started with some animation stuff. And this overall system would be able to let her start into that world. So I'm not entirely sure if we're going to go down that route eventually. But they're thrilled. I'm thrilled. I can't wait to build another computer. And I will definitely be sharing pictures of it once it's all put together and maybe even a side-by-side -side picture of it next to my tower because yeah they are definitely way different that one says it's a mid-sized tower but it is this cute little itty bitty baby sitting next to mine now i'm talking about using more power with another computer system in my house you are currently saving power with those solar panels you had installed nate i am um, we are in spring now for well, i guess a couple of weeks which means more sun, less perma-gray clouds and whatever. It's been kind of nice because I've been able to actually make about as much energy as I'm using. Not quite there, but I'm, I'm getting pretty close. Some days I'm, I'm actually making more than I'm using. Like today I've made more than I've used. I also had, I didn't drive anywhere today though either. It's been really great. The system's working. I think I got it pretty much dialed in now as far as like the battery and, and so forth. The company that installed it went out of business. They didn't finish a job, so I had to finish a job. And I have almost all of the trench filled in that they cut out. And the yard is starting to look a little bit better. I'm feeling really good about, about how things are going now here with my solar panel system. It's a 10 kilowatts worth of panels. And as of today, I've put 12.9 kilowatts back on the grid. I'm going to use some actually as, as the sun sets here. But it's kind of exciting that I'm actually finally, after however many months I've been into this project, finally seeing the fruits of all of this come to fruition. It's been pretty great. I have had a few power outages where, where the house lost power except for the protected circuits, and that all worked fantastically well too. I got all my light issues worked out as well with the house because I had some issues with the, uh, some of the lights flickering and whatnot. Everything's worked out now. I put some filters and such on the lines. And so, yeah, things are good. I'm very happy. And um, now it's time to solarify Cubicle Labs. That's next on the list. I've got the inverters installed, and I'll be doing some, I've run some conduit already. 
hopefully when get, if we get some nice days and I get a few uh, get some other projects that are more pressing off the list, I'll uh, I'll get to that. So I'm I'm very happy. I'm so happy that this is finally paying off for you. I know it took a while to not only get the solar panels in, but then to have all of the checks done. Now you actually get to see some sun and some benefit of all of that work. How many panels do you have again? 28. Hmm, pretty nice variety. Are they on the roof or are they on the lawn? Where did you position those? They're actually behind the house pretty far. They're 200 some odd feet behind the house is actually where they are. Oh, wow. Yeah, kind of a long trench there. It's actually behind even Ubica Labs as to where it sits. This way it's not seen from the road and you know it's not an eyesore. Yeah, that's nice. It's a clear area. I actually removed a questionable tree before putting them in. They're just out of the way. That's kind of how I wanted it, just out of the way. So I guess we'll see how things go. I'm putting up a fence right now to, to kind of obfuscate like some of the inverter things right now that on the side of the house. Hoping to get that done here tomorrow and then I can move on to some other more interesting things. What battery did you go with? Because I know when we were talking to someone who owns a solar company in Nevada that he was saying that batteries was one of the things that were cost ineffective for a lot of people. Are you actually using one that's meant to hold that power or did you go down a different route? I have a Generac battery backup system. So far that's functioning well. I let it discharge to about, I think 20, 30%, 30%, down to 30%. So it doesn't fully discharge, but then it offsets some of my electric usage. That seemed to be working pretty well. I, I run the numbers on that. And based on what I pay for electricity, if I use this thing, and I'm doing some real fuzzy numbers here on, on the conservative side. So the battery is warranted for about 10 years, I, I believe, or it's good for about 10 years. They'll guarantee it. Based on the numbers, if I utilize the battery, basically take about 10 years to actually pay off the battery lifetime. But the battery's there, one, to reduce the costs. And it's not like the battery will be dead at 10 years. At least I don't think it will be. Oh, good. But good, good. it means it's down, that's 80% life, I believe, is what it's considered at the 10-year mark, something like that. Well, that's not bad. That's actually no. not bad to be at 80% at 10 years. Of course, it'll continue to lose efficiency over time, but hopefully right. by the time you need to replace that battery, they won't cost as much to replace. Right. To me, although, it, it's also a um, the battery backup for the house as well. So it's not just to offset the cost, it's also for emergencies. So it, it has two functions. If I look at like a, a generator, a backup generator, I only use that generator when power fails and it's not doing anything for me but sitting there and aging. It seems to me like it's a more useful backup system. Also a generator, you have to do maintenance on it. You do have to run it periodically. You have to make sure you have, you know, keep the fuel fresh in there. It's only good for so long. This to me seemed like a more lazy way out, I guess. You know, I pay a little extra on the front end, but then I'm, I'm saving the maintenance time for the next 10 years as well. So largely. So it's not like it's a complete loss or you know, there's other values besides just the payoff of utilizing it. Good luck with this. And I hope it continues to save you on electricity for years to come. Me too. Well, now it's time to toss in your two cents on today's topics. Hit the discourse form, drop us line under this video or on the contact form by visiting textdigital.com contact. If you'd like to hang out with us on our preferred social media, see the links at the bottom of the show description, find other great shows like Hardware Addicts, GameSphere, Linux Saloon, and more at TuxDigital.com. Show off your love for your favorite podcasts and shows by visiting the Tux Digital merch store. Grab yourself some awesome swag like the gamer-centric I Pause My Game to Be Here shirt or 
join hashtag Team Wendy with some sinister Wendy swag. As always, we thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with another awesome episode of Linux Out Loud. Until then, keep the banter friendly, the conversation somewhat on topic, and have fun doing it. 